Welcome to the Twee Couch Guitar Therapy Session where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on Bob Dylan's cover songs and double barrel whiskey. There is no question that Bob Dylan has inspired many musicians over decades of playing. From his musical style to his lyrics, he has a sound and a flavor all his own. Of course, other bands have covered his songs within the unique identity of the Birds, Hendrix, and even Rage Against the Machine. There is a soul and a stink of Bob Dylan. Now, he's not just a musician, he is also an artist and a whiskey aficionado. In the spirit of this, I would like to talk about the parallels between a song being covered and a whiskey being rebarreled. But what makes a cover band any good? Do you have to do a song exactly the same? What makes a double barrel whiskey different? Are there any rules? What does Dolly Parton and Adele have to do with any of this? And who did it better, Dylan or the band that covered it? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group tasting session with Nick on the Tweed Couch. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being here on the couch to discuss something that we both love, which is a little bit of booze. And a little bit of Bob Dylan. The two B's, really. The two B's. Bourbon and Bob Dylan. So thanks for being here on the couch. Yeah, glad to be here. Can't wait. Actually, I'm really looking forward to the booze, but always fun to talk about Bob. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so when we talk about Bob, we have to look at it as who is Bob Dylan? And we've already done this podcast. We talked about it before. And when we talked about who Bob was, part of the reason why was because we also wanted to taste his whiskey, which was Heaven's Door. Right. And at that time, I made a statement about how Guns N' Roses did Heaven's Door, and I had forgotten that Bob Dylan even did it. It's crazy, right? And the number of songs that he's written and how many times they've been covered... Yeah, it's easy to lose track. Yeah, so because of that, I came up with this idea one time when we were just hanging out, having a drink, and I came to this realization that a double oak or a double barrel bourbon, or whiskey, however we're supposed to say it, is similar to having someone cover your song. Because whenever you come up with a song, you have your creation, you have your way of doing it, and then somebody else decides to do it as well, all of a sudden, you realize they have their own stink on it. And there is no way that Guns N' Roses sounds like Bob Dylan. But there's no way that Bob Dylan can sound like Guns N' Roses. No. Yet both versions of that song, wildly successful. Yeah. And actually, uh, all around the Watchtower... I always thought of that as a Jimi Hendrix song, but no. So did I. That's a Bob Dylan song. So Wild. there are so many different things. So I think that this is going to be a very fun conversation that we will have where we get to talk about similarities yeah. in a recovering or a, a recreation of a song similar to the recovering and recreation of a bourbon. Let's do it. Okay, you know, you are really the person who is actually the bourbon guy, because I'm like, I can talk about cover tunes. Um, I don't know much about the whole, you know, bourbon thing, so. 
Well, I'll do my best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I know a whole lot about it, but um, yeah, always excited the opportunity to come over and talk a little bit about bourbon. Of course, taste a little bit of bourbon. Yes, we and, will get um, to do that. And see what comes up. So I went ahead and I bought the Heaven's Door Double Barrel Whiskey, and we'll do a little bit of tasting of that. But before we do that, I think it's probably worth it to talk about who attributed their sound to Bob Dylan, because that's part of it. A lot of these people did his cover, and it's because they were inspired by him. And so when I look at it, it's interesting because the Beatles will actually attribute their sound to Bob Dylan. Really? Which is funny because a lot of people will attribute their sound to the Beatles. To the Beatles, yeah. And then the Stones, okay. they actually also attribute to them, which is kind of fun because the Rolling Stones did a cover of Like a Rolling Stone. Which is a Bob Dylan song. Which is a Bob yes. Dylan song. Yes. I didn't I guess I didn't realize the Rolling Stones attributed their sound to Dylan. It makes sense as I hear it, right? As I hear a song in my head, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I could see some borrowing there. And I would say that it's less about what Mick Jagger sang and more about the feel that they were trying to go with. Okay. Maybe a little bit of the message, because Mick Jagger does not sound like Bob Dylan. At all. And he doesn't phrase things like Bob Dylan. But when you think about songs and tones and... Th- Early on, mm-hmm. there's some similarities. And I could say some early. It's that, to me, and that maybe you're going to get there too, it's singer-songwriter. It's that whole, there is a story to be told with this song. And I think some of the artists, definitely the Beatles, I mean, there's a story in their music. And of course, now you can pick a number of Rolling Stone songs and think, oh yeah, they're telling a story. I get yeah. it. So there is a few others that I think are worth going over, like The Birds. They oh, said the birds. it. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense. Hendrix, because he covered over and over and over again Bob Dylan songs. So he right. was definitely inspired by Bob Dylan. But a couple of people that I was a little bit surprised about was like Johnny Cash and Neil Young. Hmm. I mean, Johnny always had his own sound. Well, right. And he's kind of a trendsetter and people attribute their sound to him. Yeah. So it's interesting... And Neil Young is just clean in the way that he does his stuff. It's smooth. But at the same time, you think about singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. rockabilly, it doesn't necessarily mean that their sound is like it. It's inspired by. And I think that's a key thing that I'm getting at, is that I'm looking at some of these bourbons that are the double barrel, double, and I go, you know what? There are things that are inspiring or they're trying to get that they couldn't get in their first barrel. Am I on base at all? I like it. I like it. Sure, because you can take a bourbon out of the barrel after six years. And it's got a unique flavor and unique style. And it's true to that that barrel, that brand. Well, maybe we're inspired by this other barrel that mm. produced another equally standalone bourbon. So let's put the juice in that barrel and see what comes out. And it yeah. is a... Uh, there's hints of the original and a whole new world of flavor from the second barrel. Yeah. I think that it's absolutely amazing how someone can basically stick water and 
wheat and corn. Yes, and barley and all that stuff. And stick this into a barrel that has been charred. (laughs) And it gets these flavors that aren't even part of the ingredients. It's crazy. I'm wondering if it's the booze that makes you think that it tastes like something else. It could be. <laughs> it's, it's the alcohol itself. I don't it know. could be. It could be. But no, truly, it is the the way the the fire inside that barrel decreases the tannins, increases the sugars that are naturally in the mm-hmm. wood, and then the alcohol as it you know as as it interacts with the wood and it pulls those flavors out. Yeah, you have a couple. You probably think you taste a whole lot of stuff, but yeah, but sure. there is a science there in in the flavors that come out of the barrel. It's amazing. It is amazing. So as we talk about all the different people that have been inspired, and their sound is inspired, and their songs are inspired, one of the things that I think is worth also mentioning is even though you might be inspired, it doesn't necessarily make you good at it. Hmm. And in the same way, I know that I've had some double barrel whiskeys that I have gone, "Mm, you should have picked another barrel or started (laughs) with better juice. Right. So I'm going to ask you a question that I think is a little defining in this conversation because we're going to talk about the cover songs themselves and some of the artists. All right. What do you think makes a good cover band? So it, it's funny because you were talking earlier about, you know, groups put their own stink on the original song. Yeah. And and so to me, I think what makes a good cover of a song is that the there is the original melody, lyrics, uh, maybe even feel of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's retold in a new, in a modern, in the style of the group that's covering it i I think birds are a great example you listen to bob dylan sing tambourine man yeah and then you listen to the birds sing it and you can still hear traces of what dylan was doing and his lyrics but it's in that 60s you know rebellion type Mm -hmm. flavor of the birds and so to me that makes a good one I, i think if you know had they tried to totally deconstruct the song and make it something so far from the original, it's not good. Yeah. To me, that's what makes it a good cover. Yeah. First of all, we do have to clarify that really, as as far as a band is concerned, if they are covering other people's songs, they are a cover band. Interesting. Okay. I, I want to make that clear because some people are like, we're not a cover band. You know, we, we do all of our own originals. We're doing our own thing. And I would agree that, yes, you're doing your own thing and you may be covering a song or two. But if people are showing up to listen to your cover, you're a cover band. You're a cover band. I like that take. And I I have to agree. Yeah. So where I see this most, because I mostly do church music. Right. Pretty much every praise and worship band is a cover band. No church band is all original. No, absolutely You have to play the stuff that people hear on the radio. Yeah, and most of them don't do anything original. They're just doing what's popular, Mm -hmm. what already moves. And then there's some of those people that go, oh, no, 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 no. But Hillsong themselves does Hillsong songs. They write it, they produce it, they sing it. Chris Tomlin does Chris Tomlin songs, yes. 
But at the same time, if you go to a number of those different concerts, you'll find that half their set is also covers of other people's worship tunes. It's a really interesting take. So here's my question to you. Uh-huh. If Hillsong in concert sings a Chris Tomlin song, are they then also a cover band? I think they are covering a song. And if they have two or three of them, they could be covering a song. But if they are doing 12 songs and four are original, and then the remainder eight are all covers, they are a cover band. Well, and I think you made a distinction too. And then I do agree with this. And I hadn't thought about it before you said it. If people are going to the concert to hear the song you're going to cover, you're a cover band. But most people are going to the concert to hear their original stuff. Right. Yeah. So if Guns N' Roses plays their original stuff, but really all people want to hear is Heaven's Door. Okay, that right. that's rough. But they also want to hear Welcome to the Jungle. So we're good. <laughs> so I think Guns N' Roses is going to be fine. Sweet Child of Mine. <laughs> it's still happening. It's fine. They're going to be fine. Okay. If Hendrix were still around and all they wanted to hear was All Around the Watchtower or Like a Rolling Stone and that's all they wanted to hear. Okay, sure. Now Hendrix, he's just a cover band. But he also had Little Wing... Foxy Lady, and these people wanted to see this. And he was electric in himself. And so that brings up an interesting point as well. I think that a good cover band is also one that retains the magic of the original tune, but also gives this extra added attitude or special magic that that artist has. And this brings me back to this idea with the double barrel. Mm Mm-hmm. Is because we've done the regular Heaven's Door single barrel, well, not single barrel, but we did their Heaven's Door like regular whiskey. Right, their their blended whiskey. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now we're gonna try the double barrel, which is kind of like doing this cover. It's adding its own stink, its own flavor yep. onto something that is already there. Yeah. Typically, the song that's being covered has lived on its own with the original artist for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And so you could liken that to the double barrel where the original juice could be six, eight years old mm-hmm. out of that barrel. And it's good on its own. And so make it better, different, okay. a new age mm-hmm. um, by putting it into a, a second barrel. So that brings up to just talk about the whiskey real quick. As far as this Heaven's Door, how old was it before it got put into a new barrel? Yeah, it's a great question. So the age statement is uh, six years. So the whole thing, it's six years old. The whole blend is six years old. The Yeah, and we, so we have to dig a little bit and talk about the age statement. So the age statement is the age of the youngest bourbon in that blend. So the youngest bourbon out of a barrel was in that barrel for six years. Okay. And so since this is a blend, and if I remember correctly, it's like three different whiskeys to make this blend or, or, or whatever more. it is. Right. Yes. And you so, could have one that's eight years, one that's 12 years. But if there's one that's six years, you now call the whole thing six. Six years. You got okay. it. And then it gets put in a new barrel. Is there a minimum in putting it in a new barrel? And that's really where the distiller and the artists that are taking that original juice, 
they get to decide what they want to do. Most are in minimum a year. Okay. Could be longer. Okay. And so how old is this one? Or how long did the second barrel go? This one was in the second barrel for a year. All right. So before we get into tasting this bourbon, I do want to pay a little homage to these cover songs that people actually went ahead and did a rendition of the Bob Dylan song. And some of them, I would actually dare say they are better. Like we've mentioned all around the Watchtower. Dylan himself said <laughs> Hendrix did it better. Absolutely. And I would agree. Yeah. Uh-huh. But Dave Matthews Band also did all around the Watchtower. Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fine. And I'm a Dave Matthews fan. I, I like it, right? Been to the concert, I think I've been three times to wow. a concert. And I'll still go with Hendrix. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely better. Okay, another one, of course, Heaven's Door. I think Guns N' Roses did it better. <laughs> and I will agree with you. I think the cover that Guns N' Roses did of that song is amazing. Of course, it could also be Time of Life. And that's another piece about these cover bands to think about. They tend to cover these older songs for a younger generation at a time where that generation's hungry for it. And they think it's new. And yeah. then they learn that it's older and it just it it resonates, I think, because of that connection. And on a whole new level as well. So to talk about to the double barreling of whiskey, you know, some of these it's years and years and years and years, and this new barrel it gets put into is from a tree that's 15 years, 20 years newer, you or know. Not as heavily charred or mm-hmm. more heavily charred. And so it adds its own uniqueness. Yeah. To go back to the cover bands, we mentioned the birds with Tambourine Man. They did, yep. I don't know that they did it better than Dylan. It's really hard for me because the style, the recordings I've heard of Dylan doing that song, it's it's really unique and it's mm-hmm. it's got a kind of flow to it that you think, is there really a flow? But there is. Mm-hmm. I think I like the birds version a little better only because it's more melodic more complete i would agree with that i would also like to mention that when i think of the birth of folk rock Mm -hmm. tambourine man is the first song that comes to my mind it's pretty iconic it is i mean folk rock was obviously around before that but it popularized it and it made it something And so when I think of the birth of folk rock, it's always Tambourine Man and it's always the birds. I just can't say that it's better than Dylan's, but I do I do agree with you. There is something about it that is special and maybe it is better. Maybe it is. Yeah, I think personal opinion, which I will have to add when we talk about bourbon a lot of times that comes down to personal preference, personal Ooh, taste. True. Uh, some people can taste it and think it's the best thing. Some people taste it and say, why did they ruin it by putting it in a new barrel? <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, that's um, very true. It's a nice uh, parallel. So to, to go to a statement that you had said before that it could be there for a long time and it's just that band at that time bringing out that old message or that old song and it just recreates it and ignites a new generation yeah speaking of that i've got an interesting one in rage against the machine did maggie's farm i 
don't know I'm familiar with either version. It's amazing. I love Rage Against Machines version. Okay, I have homework to do. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is, because I'm not a huge Rage fan. Like, I get it. They were good. They, yeah, they were yeah. unique, and they definitely empowered the generation they, that I had in like junior high and high school and all that. But I remember hearing Maggie's Farm and going, man, this is great. And then I found out it was Bob Dylan's. How close to Dylan's version is the Rage Against Machine Not even version? close. No, okay. No, not All even right. close. All right, I'll have to take a listen. Okay. Another one that I was surprised on is I think that everyone, when they think of like Adele, a song that you often think of is Make You Feel My Love. Mm-hmm which is a Bob Dylan song. Totally agree. And I didn't know it. And all of a sudden, I was looking through Bob Dylan songs, and I was like, make you feel my love. I feel like I know that one. And I started listening to it, and I went, oh. Well, this was written for Adele before Adele was even alive. So it's interesting, because I had a very similar experience. Again, different time of life. When Garth Brooks was hitting the scene, Mm -hmm. he sang a cover of Make You Feel My Love. Yes, I forgot. Oh my god! An award show at a, at a at and it again. You would think it was written for Garth Brooks. Yeah, that yeah. It's it's amazing, right? Yeah, and th- you're talking now three separate generations at minimum, right? Yeah. With with that same song, but each one is unique. Yeah. An- another song that's worth bringing up. Of course, we've got to talk about Blowing in the Wind. Have to. And when you think of Blowing in the Wind, who do you think of? So, me personally, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Absolutely. Yep. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Other people who covered it? Stevie Wonder. Oh. I know. <laughs> You're adding to my homework. Yeah. I listened to it. It's okay. But... Peter, Paul, and Mary. I yeah, mean, they hands, nailed it. And honestly, Dylan's version was really good, too. Prefer uh, Peter, Paul, Mary. <laughs> yeah, true. One More Cup of Coffee. Do you remember this song? I don't think I do. Okay. I didn't remember it either. And then when I listened to it, I went, okay, I kind of remember it. But the people who actually covered it, White Stripes. That's wild. Yeah, even the White Stripes. That's wild. Which maybe it was a, like... One of those uh, tributes to Bob Dylan, like CDs sure. or whatever. But man, I just thought that that was amazing. So, I, I mean, I could keep going on. I know a, a huge favorite of yours, your favorite female vocalist ever is. Hands down, it's Dolly Parton. Of course, it's Dolly Parton. And Dolly Parton actually did Don't Think Twice, which is a Bob Dylan cover. That's amazing. Yeah. I've never heard her cover that. Yeah. And, you know, I actually went and I found it and I listened to it. And she did an amazing job, just like she does an amazing job at everything. She does an amazing job of all the covers that she's done, all of her original stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe I've not heard this of all the time I've spent listening to her. I've not heard this cover. And she is an amazing actress. And she's a great philanthropist. Absolutely. Which I will not be able to say that word after we've had a few sips. (laughs) Philanthropist. You should try again. (laughs) Yeah. 
But I mean, she's, you know, what? we should do a podcast on Dolly because that woman is amazing. We could. Yeah, we could. All right. But anyway, let's take a break for our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to open the stuff up. We're going to take a sip and we're going to talk about some double barrel and we're going to talk about not the gun, the, the whiskey. And we are going to talk about some cover tunes. So let's hear from our sponsor. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Who doesn't love a party with a purpose? If you love music, family-friendly, and camping, then you need to come to LifeFest. In 2023, they will host one of the largest music festivals in the United States in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'll see you there. Let's hear from another sponsor. Since 2003, the Kretzmann Guitar Company has been repairing and building guitars. In 2021, Kretzmann started production of a solid body electric guitar with the goal of providing affordable, awesome looking and sounding guitars that anyone, student to expert, would be proud to play and own. Be sure to check them out at KretzmannGuitars.com. Let's hear from our final sponsor. If you like my voice on this podcast, I am using a TechZone Audio Products Stellar X3, and I am honored for the opportunity to represent it. All right, well, we're back, and I'm going to go ahead and start opening up this bottle, but while we were on break, we decided to listen to Dolly Parton, and we decided to listen to some Rage Against the Machine. (laughs) Yeah. And I was listening to Maggie's Farm going, oh my gosh, it's just so great. I'm waiting for him to like throw down an F-bomb and be like, I won't do what you tell me. But (laughs) it was just, it it was really fun. And you started doing some searching and you found out why Rage decided to go ahead and do this. So tell the people. Yeah, it, it really fits kind of the whole social statement that 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 band you know that rage was was kind of known for and so the song uh, when dylan wrote it the song is about redundant british laborers who had to move and seek work in germany as a result of the prime minister margaret thatcher and her economic program for england so it's yeah. definitely raging against that political machine, yes. that political movement, right? Totally. And the labor, mm-hmm. common class, right, that's having to now move because of the political machine. So, yeah, Rage Against the Machine. It, yeah. ma- it makes total sense. And it, make, it makes perfect sense because Rage Against the Machine, that's a lot of what they were against was raging against, of course, the machine, the, the you know, the government, the, whatever's the going on. What, pick your choice, yeah. And without them knowing... They probably were also inspired by Bob Dylan before that even happened. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's open up this Heaven's Door double barrel. And while I do that, why don't you read the little Heaven's Door card thing that talks about what this is supposed to be like and what it's supposed to taste like and all that? I'd be happy to. So the double barrel, Heaven's Door, uh, it is a combination a unique blend of three different whiskeys and then they have a double barrel finishing process that takes hand toasted new american oak barrels 
And they put that juice into those new American oak barrels for a secondary aging for another year. And so the double barrel higher proof balances perfectly with the complexity of its flavor and notes of caramel, oak, citrus, and spice. Still, once again, how you get citrus and spice and all things nice. Wood and corn. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Time for my favorite part. Let's hear it. The cork pop. Very nice. That was awesome. It was like it was ready to be opened. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and let's pour. Okay, so how are we supposed to do this again? First thing is what? Well, we're drinking out of Glen's, Glen Karen glasses, so we definitely want to tilt it for you and smell it. So a Glen Karen, for those that don't know what that is, first of all, it's not spelled very normal. Glen Karen, it's like, I don't know, I have to look at the bottom of the glass. You're going to have to look. <laughs> okay, so for those of you that don't know what a Glen Karen is, first of all, a Glen Karen is... Kind of like this tulip-shaped glass with a little stem on it. Mm-hmm. And it's not spelled like Glencairn. It's, you know, not what you would expect. You'd expect it to be like G-L-E-N-K-A-R-E-N, but it's not. It's G-L-E-N-C-A-I-R-N. Karen. I don't know. So maybe we're just saying it wrong, but we are using a Glen Karen glass. <laughs> Which allows you to swirl the bourbon inside, which releases a lot of the aroma. And so when you tilt it forward, the top of the Glen is also shaped like your nose. So you can really get in there and smell. Now, I've heard you're supposed to keep your mouth open a little bit while you sniff. Absolutely. So you let the ethanol be able to escape? Ethanol escapes and you get less of that alcohol burn. That exits and what you're left with is the, in this case, heavy duty caramel. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but I've actually been made fun of for this is I will tell people, well, when you go to sniff it, make sure you sniff in one nostril and then the other. And people will make fun of me and they'll be like, that's stupid. There's no way it's going to the same place. And then I say, well, then try it. Then try it. And sure enough, it smells a little different in each nostril. Like my left nostril, I get a little bit more vanilla, a little more brown sugar. In my right nostril, I get more of the oak and the caramel. Definitely the sweet, the corn, caramel, yeah. And, you know, neurologically, okay, it is different nerves and different receptors. You know, it, it's the same nerves and receptors, but they're like a different part of the Are brain. Are hitting so, different sides of the different parts of the brain? Yeah. Okay. So there's that, but then there's also what's, you know, stopped up inside of your nose. And, you know, so there may be more snot in one area. <laughs> but <they're, laughs> I know. Less resistance on one side than the other. I like it. Yeah. It's a good theory. It's a good theory. It's a theory. Okay. I think it's time we actually it's time sip to the thing. Yeah. yeah. So I get, as we should, heavy oak. And I love that oak flavor. God, it's so good. It's, it's not, it doesn't bite. It's not real sharp, but it is a really solid oak flavor. It's oak right, right away. But sitting right on top of the oak for me is that caramel corn, uh, mm-hmm. vanilla, mm-hmm. 
butterscotch blend. Yeah. And what you're left with in that finish is you have that like mouth feel that's kind of oily, but you also have this lingering spice, kind of like a like an apple cinnamon stick kind of a flavor that just lingers and lingers and lingers. Now, what we don't know is the level of like char inside these barrels or toasting inside the barrels that definitely have an impact on the tannins that make it that that's a little bit smoother finish. So when you say charring, like what's really different in the types of charring? Like if you just toast the thing like mad, is that one thing versus you just kind of lightly go over it and just get some of it? Yeah. So it, and that's the art of distillers and what they're looking for in their flavor. So yes, they, you know, the fire hits the inside of that barrel and the amount of time it's there, the depth of that char. So the longer, obviously that the fire Mm -hmm. is there, the deeper into the wood it goes, the bigger the charcoal sits on the edge of that barrel. More of the sugar is, is burned and released. So the lighter versus the darker changes the flavor profile especially as it ages over six plus years. So as we're tasting this, what makes a double barrel actually different from just doing a a single barrel or a blend or whatever? Like what really makes a double barrel different? Yeah, and so it, it truly is the juice of one barrel that is taken out and put into a second barrel. A brand new barrel? Does it have to be a brand new barrel? And and there, again, it, it depends on the flavor that the distiller is looking for. It can be a brand new. So in this case with Heaven's Door, it was a brand new oak barrel, new char. Uh, so it went from a six years, six years minimum in one barrel mm-hmm. into a brand new barrel for another year. Some double oaks or, or double barrel labels out there put them in old barrels, used barrels. Okay. To again just get a, a different flavor profile, maybe more oak, less oak. It it really just depends on what they're looking for in that finished flavor. So when they decide to do something in like a sherry barrel or a beer barrel or something like that is that still the same thing as double barreling so that that's this crazy world of bourbon right so we're gonna call it finished if it's in a sherry cask or an armagnac cast or um brandy cask right yeah because and that is and the finished whiskeys are all the rage right now but yeah Mm -hmm. so technically i guess you could say it is a double barrel because they're taking out of one Mm mm-hmm and they're putting it unless they blend it with another one that they right so if it's by definition they take it out of one barrel and they put that barrel's contents into a new barrel if yeah. they blend it with other barrels before they put it in that second then it's not a true double barrel mm. right cuz then it's just a new blend it's or a new blend that they're like finishing that. in a second barrel sure yeah so the double barrel is unique because it's the juice of one into another. So when we talk about this one, we're going with to the nose. It's got that oak, that vanilla, caramel, vanilla, caramel. Mm-hmm. When we taste it, we get more of that 
oak right on the front. We get the caramel. It finishes a little oily with a lot of mm-hmm. like that cinnamon spice. But last time we added an ice cube or we added water. I'm so glad you bring that up because what you, one of the unique qualities of the double barrel is um, a couple drops of water or an ice cube dramatically change the profile. So I think it is time. I think I see your glass of water over there. We will add just a touch of water. Okay, so now to the nose, Way I'm getting sweeter. a lot of smoothness. It's like the oak is there, the vanilla is there, the caramel actually is going mm. away some. It's like a butterscotch. Yeah. Let's sip it. I got more cinnamon. I got more cinnamon with less of the spice that comes with the cinnamon. But you know what's funny for me is I don't get any citrus. Mm -mm. I might get more citrus now than I did before, though. (laughs) Maybe. But definitely more cinnamon, definitely a little less spice. I think you're right. But that vanilla, super strong. Yeah. It's crazy what just a little bit of water does. It is. You know, the thing with Heaven's Door is it is not just the double barrel whiskey. It's not just the Tennessee straight. He has a rye out. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that. I did see it. And actually, they recently released the 10-year, the decade. Have you seen that one yet? I have seen it, as a matter of fact. That one is, I mean, it's kind of an expensive one, but it is, it's really intriguing. I'm wondering what's, what makes the 10-year so much different. Well, since we're talking about the 10-year, I have a little bit of a surprise. Mm -hmm. I happened to bring a bottle. You're kidding. That I ran across recently. You have it? I have it with me. No way. No so way. So let's go ahead and crack this 10-year. Oh, my gosh. Hey, yes. This is, it's a straight bourbon whiskey. Right. It's 100 proof. It's almost like recreating Bob Dylan. You know, when he, <laughs> he comes out with a new album. It's like, here's the new album. I like it. I would like to accept this <laughs> Heaven's Door and, you know, thank my fans. So here, I'm going to read the bottle. It says, I wanted to create a collection of American whiskeys that, in their own way, tell a story. With over 20% rye in the mash bill Ah. and non-charcoal mellowed, this bourbon is unlike anything you have ever had from Tennessee before. That is... That's a bold statement. Very bold but, you know, like I said, I, it, this is a, a relatively expensive one. And, oh, my gosh, I I am honored that you wanted to share this with me. Let's do it. We can't be talking about Bob Dylan and covers and bourbon without at least getting the f- full experience. All right. Well, let's open it up. Let's then. do it. OK, so we will we'll open this up and, and then we'll kind of get some final thoughts and, and we'll we'll call it a day. Well. For this uh, this episode. For the episode. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, I I use the same knife every time I open up a bottle. I did notice. Yeah, so this knife was actually my grandfather's. I was just sitting here thinking, if he says grandfather's knife, I'm going to be, I'm going to be moved. The only time I use it really is to open up bourbon. That's I, awesome. I just think it's fun. So that's awesome. All right. How old were you when you got it from him? Actually, so he had passed away. Okay. 
and I was uh, helping to kind of move things out, and I saw it sitting on his dresser, and I went, "This is Grandpa's knife. This is what he put in his pocket and every single and day. carry it around." I mean, it wasn't necessarily every single day, but I mean, you can obviously tell that it had been sitting in his pocket, and he had used right. it. And it's a Winchester knife, and okay. he has a Winchester gun, so it was probably a set. Probably. When he bought the two, and I went, you know what? I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to grab this thing, and we'll just... That's awesome. You know, anyway. So. That's awesome. All right, time for my favorite part. Let's open it. The pop. Here we go. Here's that pop. Oh. Oh, that was smoother. Much smoother. I think we're about to experience a much smoother whiskey. Yeah, let's find out. All right. All right, so let's go ahead. Let's take a little sniff. I know for those of you who are on the other end of this podcast right now, you're going, I wish I could see it. And, you know, actually, to the look, it is darker. It is darker. Is there any reason why it would be darker? It's sat in barrels or in a barrel for a good three years longer than the double barrel that we just had. So the longer that it sits in that charcoal, the longer it sits pulling that charcoal filtering, the darker it gets. Oh, that makes sense. Makes total sense. Mm-hmm. This is ooh, sweeter to the nose. Sweeter, but I'm getting that oak. That is so ridiculously smooth. Wow. There's absolutely no like ethanol alcohol like bite, we'll call it. No. Even though that's 20% rye, tend to associate like pepper, a little bit of spice with that rye. Get none of that. It's um really smooth vanilla caramel and smooth oak. It almost reminds me of like a really soft cookie. Mm. It's not really a baked goods, but like as I'm drinking it, it just it feels warm and delicious mm-hmm. in my mouth. Like it's just melting away in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? What, what there, am I saying? There is there is definitely a. It's like that first bite of a cinnamon roll, but you didn't glaze. The cinnamon roll. So there's yeah. no sugar on it. It's just the cinnamon yeasty dough with kind of this smoky oak. I can honestly say That's really good. that as I taste this and I go, which one's better? I can honestly say it depends on my mood. This one I would prefer most of the time. But there's that time where you want the other one. They're both delicious. Well done, Bob. Well done, Bob. Remind <laughs> me the proof on the double barrel. You've got it sitting right next to you. All right, let me see. 100 proof. So they're both 100 proof. Mm-hmm. The double barrel, to me, tastes a little bit like it's proof. This 10-year does not taste 100 proof. No, not at all. This is dangerous. It's dangerous. They're really close. Not as close as you'd think. With the water, they're closer, but with the water, it didn't taste as good to me. When you put the water in the double barrel, it does taste smooth like the 10-year, but I'll agree with you, you lose the depth of flavor. Yeah. 
And so the 10-year has a depth of flavor, but the smoothness. I don't feel like I would want to add water to the 10-year. It's so smooth, and it's the right amount of viscosity Mm -hmm. that adding water, I think, would just water down awesome. I'm going to have to nurse that bottle. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, with all of that, I guess it is probably a good idea for us to go ahead and do some final thoughts, and then we're going to hang out just a little bit longer. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a good time. So, with all that said, final thoughts. And I'll go ahead and do my final thoughts on the cover tune side of things. Like it. And as far as I'm concerned, I think that cover tunes are amazing. And I think that people should do cover tunes. It is really important for people to mimic some sound, mimic some attitude, mimic some lyrics, do all those things. And of course, pay homage to the people who actually wrote them in order for them to really figure out their own voice and their own sound. The best advice that I had gotten as a musician in a band for the very first time was somebody once told me, borrow from the best and make up the rest. Ah, I like that. And that statement, actually, the term was steal from the best and make up the rest, but okay. we were a Christian we'll, band. We'll, we'll borrow. You know, yeah. We'll borrow. <laughs> so, and, and when you think about that, it makes total sense because when you look at Stevie Ray Vaughan's licks and you notice how there's a lot of Jimi Hendrix in there. Mm -hmm. And when you hear the Beatles and you notice that there's a lot of Bob Dylan in there. And when you listen to rage against the machine and there's a (laughs) lot, Whoa. Okay. No, maybe never really entered, but (laughs) but continue. But in all of that, I think there is something to this idea of having a foundation and that's what makes a double barrel so special is if the foundation was good, when you stick it into another barrel, you've essentially given it a chance to make it not necessarily better, but different and have its own voice, its own type of flavoring. And that's the same thing that happens with these songs, yep. because even though somebody may have written the song and someone may have orchestrated the song and someone may have written the song and that song has its voice, someone can do something to give that song a new life and a new meaning. And I think that that is really important. So that's my final thoughts. Everyone should be a part of a cover band or do some cover songs. (laughs) I love it. And so, you know, for my final thought, for me, it's like, it's really important to keep our history alive. And so every generation, I love that they take what was a great hit, a great song from the past, and they put their unique generational sound to it. So cover artist, it, it's amazing, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's something that definitely speaks to the current generation with voices from the past generations kind of carrying on. So that super important to me in music, right? That these covers continue. And I think that's, what's really unique about the world of bourbon too, is you've got um, a flavor that people buy because they know. And then, so, Hey, let's take it and put it in another barrel, enhance its flavor, change it slightly, mm-hmm. but not lose completely what it 
what it was as a six year or 10 year or whatever bourbon. And so I think the cover song with the double barrel makes a lot of sense because it's remembering what it was originally with a new flavor and a new spin based on what we're doing today. So I like it. This, this is great. I am so glad that we hung out that one time sitting out in front of your little fire. Yes. Out in your backyard. And we were just talking about double barrels. And I immediately thought about cover tunes and went, oh, I know what to do. We have something. This was so much fun. This was great. I, I hope that everybody listening had a good time with this as well. And you should definitely pick this stuff up because it's really good. Not sponsored, but it's really good. It really is. So, Nick, thank you for being on the couch, sipping some bourbon with me. Happy to be on the couch, sipping some bourbon with you. All right. Until next time. Bye. We'll see you. Well, that's all the time we have for the Twee Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you like what you heard, make sure you leave five stars in a review. Also, be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And remember, you are your greatest asset. Until next time. <laughs>